Wonderful. Not bad for a grump bunch of guys, eh? I don't think I've ever seen... Did you notice that? So, oh, we're not going brethren or anything, are we? Like, women are allowed up the front, eh? Promise. Um, well done, gentlemen. Sorry, not that there's anything wrong with brethren. I'll just clarify that. I just think women have an amazing thing to offer. All right. I'll shut up before I get myself in trouble. (laughs) Prayer. Let's all pray. (laughs) Hey, we're going to continue to on our series in in prayer. And this morning, look at, I'm going to really briefly look at, I'm certainly not, we're not going to go the whole way through, but um, look at intercessory prayer. And, and in our series, and we've been going through so far, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 11. Um, really, the, it's the kind of the foundation of the series so far. I'm not going to look at Angela. She gets so annoyed with me that I do this recap all the time, and I'm going to do it again, um, just because I think it's really worthwhile. Or you could prove to me um, how well and deeply considered you've been listening. So Jesus says, or just, Jesus was praying one day, and, and a disciple said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And, and I have mentioned twice before, and now for a third time I'll mention again, isn't it amazing that there's no else in, nowhere else in the Gospels, which is the account of Jesus' life and ministry, where, where he was asked like a direct question like that, certainly by, by, the, by his disciples, of teach us how to do this. And it's, and it's worthwhile to consider that of all of the things that Jesus did, which are some pretty amazing stuff, um, it was praying that they wanted to know, they wanted to grasp why Teach us how to do that. And, and I said for a couple of times, and I'll say it for a third time again, I think that's because the disciples had picked up on the fact that all of the other stuff, all of the amazing healings, the amazing talks, the, the incredible outworkings and demonstrations of, of kindness, of love, of grace, of this upside-down kingdom that he was talking about, all seemed to have their root or their source in these times where Jesus would leave all of the, the stuff that's going on and go off and pray. And there was something about that that his disciples realized, and it would be great if we realized today as well, as, as disciples or followers of Jesus 2,000 years later, is I want what you've got. Father, teach us how to pray. Or Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so he starts by saying, Father in heaven, hallowed, be, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive all of those who sin against us and lead us not into, into temptation. So, so here we go, review, call out time. Father, which is what? See, this is why I do it, Angela. <laughs> So Jesus, first and foremost, is when we approach God, we approach him as a father, as a loving God. Remember? You know, that that if we approach God as a a CEO or or a Santa Claus or or an angry old man far away, we're, we're, we're already missed out. 
that Jesus' invitation is for us to approach, approach God as a loving heavenly Father. And, and I've said before, it is worth many of us in this room, and I don't want to dismiss it, have had a really hard time of doing that because of our earthly father's modeling. And, and none of us have perfect earthly fathers, but some of us have a harder road to hoe when it comes to seeing God as Father. But I, but I promise you it is worthwhile. I promise you all of the, the pain and the heartache of, of working through maybe the examples that you've been shown is so worthwhile in being able to see God and know God as a loving Father who has nothing but good intentions towards you. In heaven, heaven, far away, distant, long way off. No, heaven as in the heavenlies, as in the atmosphere, as heaven, Father in heaven, as close as the air is to your skin. Your kingdom come, meaning your, your kingdom come or the longer version, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is what, we're, what he's saying there is our prayers make a difference. They really do make a difference that we can be part of seeing the world that we live in, the situations we find ourselves in through prayer actually change. And that's a really hard thing to believe. I have struggled with that so much of my, my journey with Jesus. Is it feels in seasons where you just, oh, well, why? Like, does it really make a difference? And it does. Your kingdom come, your will, hallowed be your name. The, the, sorry, I'm going, but hallowed be your name. The other part of it is that God is good and he's true. And there's no one else in, in the universe that even compares to who he is. And that prayer is our joyful, grateful, worshipful enjoyment of the Father's presence. I don't think the disciples would have, if Jesus' approach to prayer was, oh, Oh, you know, here we, you know, I've got to do it. You know, like, oh, you know, I don't, I want to, don't want to feel guilty today, so I'm going to go off and and do my bit and click my, you know, my time. Why, why would you want to do that? But Jesus modeled something about prayer that that was attractive, that he looked forward to it, that he loved it, that it was enjoyable. And then Jesus carried on, and I won't have, I don't have time to do that. But but Jesus carried on in Luke 11, and if you haven't read it, read it. Is sharing a couple of stories. Remember the guy about who had a friend who came to his house and he didn't have any bread, and so this friend went and banged on another friend's door in the middle of the night. And there's this story. Jesus tells the short story to drive home a few things about prayer. The one is to ask. To actually ask. And then he goes on to say, and when you ask, you keep on asking. A lot of Bible translations, if you read that today in the, in the afternoon, it, it will actually say, keep on asking. And then he goes on to prove, uh, you know, to push it even further. And when we ask, we don't, oh, 
God, you know. You know and, and it's important to approach God reverently and, and because he is God. And it's, this isn't flippant. But what Jesus is saying is when we approach God, we don't approach him and ask him timidly or, or cowardly or somehow, you know, fearfully in, a, in an unhealthy sort of way. Jesus models for us to, to ask him unashamedly, with unashamed audacity, one translation says. That's how we pray. That's how we approach him. You know, if we think of God as our father in, in our household, uh, you know, I'm, anyway, as a father, one of the things I have looked back on or I look back on and think I've done well is in our family on Father's Day, I buy my kids gifts. And because I want my children to, in one aspect, be able to see God the Father as a generous God who loves to lavish good things on his children. My children very quickly cotton on to that. And, and I have never, to this Father's Day yet, had a timid, Father, if, if it be okay for you. I get lists. I get, I get photos of internet shopping sites. I, I make sure it's this color and this size and not this knockoff, the original version. And, 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 and if you want to, you know, you could give me this as well. Do you know? We, God wants us to come, like, ask. And, and go for it when you're asking. And thirdly, he, t- he tells these stories for us to remember a third thing. So it's ask. It's to ask unashamedly. And then it's not to give up. You know, bang on the door, the story says. Not to give up. And, and I, honestly, I know what it's like to pray and to pray and to pray. And in a couple of weeks, we've got Fran um, Francis coming to in, in this series to talk about you know, unanswered prayer. And that is hard. And it is a, it is a struggle in, in, in the idea of unanswered prayer and lament. It is something, a really big hurdle that as a follower of Jesus, we do well to wrestle with and to hold it in tension and to not be okay with it and not come up with a glib, silly excuse for it. But, but God says, don't give up. Keep on asking. And as, as much as we struggle with unanswered prayer, I think so much more is we struggle with unasked prayer. We haven't, even, we haven't even got to the place where we'd even ask God for it. And Jesus is saying in, his, in this Luke 11 is to ask and to keep on asking. So that's review. Hey, look, at that's pretty good. Decent review. And so today I wanted to just take the few moments, and we're going to do something a little bit different at the end, um, but, but just to really consider and kind of do it collaboratively as best we can, this, this idea or consider intercessory prayer. And so I wanted to start by saying what comes to mind when I say intercessory prayer. It's kind of like church language. It's, you know, you don't hear what's intercessory prayer. Hold on, one at a time. Fighting on behalf of someone else? Yeah, I was hoping you'd say that. I, I think that. Do you think in a cold, dark church basement, you know, where none of this fancy coffee, we drink lukewarm instant coffee 
and we pray. Anyone else? Intercessory prayer? No? I've painted the picture for you. Spiritual warfare? Phoneless? Fearless. Well, that's almost like fearless, phoneless. That's good. Anything else? What do you think of intercessory prayer? Yep. Strong? Standing in the gap? Anyone else? Wonderful. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Jesus. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I like that. You know, it's, it's bringing into God's presence, isn't it? We're, we're, we're kind of a bit like the picture that Jesus said. It, it's bringing into God's presence a person or people, situation. It's asking God to do something about it. Often it's about stuff that's just, it's just not okay. You know, in my experiences with intercession, it's those things that are just like, they, there's, there's things that make you angry or they make you sad or they really frustrate you. It's bringing those things into God's presence and, and asking him to do something about it. In a way, intercessory prayer, but really all prayer, is a relational partnership between you and God. It is it is that we're, we are joining with him in putting the world to right. It's a, it's a statement my, my um, someone who I really admire, N.T. Wright, often talks about. You know, the kingdom of God is, is really just, is just what the world looks like when God, when God is in charge. That's what the world, the kingdom of God is what the world will look like when God is fully in charge, when, when everything is put to right. Well, prayer is just us joining in with God to see what the world, or to bring in, or put the world to right. That we are part of the breaking in of God's kingdom, we have a part to play in that. That's what prayer is. That's what intercession is. We are part of the breaking in of God's kingdom into this time, into this place, into that person's life, into this situation, in the face of that injustice. That's what intercessory prayer is. And prayer really does make a difference. The disciples saw that, and I think that's why they ask. Lord, teach us how to pray. It's because of all of the other things, they realized that when Jesus modeled prayer, things happened. It really did make a difference. I believe that Jesus modeled that the primary, most important, most effective, most authentic way of ushering in God's kingdom into his present age, but into our present age, is through prayer. But I don't think we model that. Oh, I shouldn't point. I, certainly, I don't think I model that very well. I don't think I believe that. I think, or my actions portray, that I believe that hard work ushers in the kingdom of God. And beautiful babies, they do it. Look at them. 
It's a gang. But don't we, I think, don't we believe that? If we're honestly true, don't we, you know, it's our hard work. It's our, our, it's our going out on the street corner. It's our, and those are all good things. But do we honestly model a belief that prayer is the primary, most effective, most authentic way that we see God's kingdom invade our earth? Or is it just me? I think we model more, more truthfully is that it's hard work that brings in the kingdom of God, that ushers in the kingdom of God. It's preaching that ushers in the kingdom of God. It's healing that, that, that ushers in the kingdom of God. It's justice that ushers in the kingdom of God. And all of those things are important. But, but remember, if we look back at Jesus, wasn't Jesus, didn't he leave doing all that stuff to go and pray? Something to think about. I think at the heart of it, we have to really face and wrestle with our belief or our unbelief that prayer has the ability and the power to change things. And we struggle with that. And I think it actually goes even a little bit further is that we struggle to believe that in a relational partnership between ourselves and God that things really can change. Or even that God even really wants or desires to be in a relational partnership with us in prayer. but that it really does change things. And it's a vital part of seeing God's kingdom enter into our world and to make a difference. And I wonder in a way, you know, with all of, if, if our struggle to believe that prayer really can and does do what Jesus models and says that it does and do, I wonder in our struggling to really believe that and to model it and to outwork it, um, if that is one of the explanations for so much of the angst and frustration that we see in our world. I wonder in a way if we rant and rave on social media um, sometimes, you know, and, and I was thinking the other day about, I've used this analogy before, you know, we, we, we rant and rave on social media, and I've used the example of one time seeing this really cute little video of this elephant painting of these pictures and stuff, and it was like, oh my gosh, isn't that so cool? I forwarded to Angela, and um, look at this elephant, he's painting pictures, isn't it so neat? And, and then I noticed, like, after I sent it, like, there's a lot of comments. I thought, wow, like, that's a lot of comments on an elephant painting. It didn't paint that well. I mean, it was, you know, it was an okay picture, but... But these comments, they kind of went from, that's really terrible, you know, like the elephant should be in the wild. And I thought, oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. You know, like, oh, that's really. And then, you know, you scroll down a page or two, and they were, it was vicious. 
Like, they weren't even, long gone is the elephant in the painting. It is just vicious. And so much of what we see is, is um, you know, social media is, is, is this digression so quickly, and it goes so bad so, so fast, that what if, what if we, in this room, but what if we as the church would would channel all of that energy, all of the angst, all of the genuine frustration or longing for a kinder, better world, all of the disappointments of, of all of the things that we see. What if we were to channel that not to social media where things de- degrade and get so ugly so fast, but what if we were to channel that and bring that into the presence of God? What if we were to intercede in God's presence? What if we were to stand in the gap? What if we were to, what were all the pictures? What if we were to, to wrestle? What if we were to bring all of it into God's presence through prayer? What if we were to, I can't believe I'm even saying it, but what if social media, we left for breakfast photos and cat videos? <laughs> Who knew you'd get to the day where you'd long for a photo of someone's meal rather than a horrible rant? You know, like, really. But what if we were to bring those things with the same fervor, with the same passion, with the same frustration, with the same longing for this isn't okay and I'm not okay with this world being this way, but instead of putting it on a post, we, we, we bring it to God's presence on our knees. Karl Barth, the... Um, Swiss theologian says it this way, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. I'm going to say that again. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. You know, the good news is that Jesus, as we see him modeling what prayer is and, and modeling intercession, is, is that he actually continues to pray. He continues to intercede for us. He continues to intercede for our, the situations we find ourselves in. He continues to intercede for, for our lives and our relationships and our families and all of the things that we go on with. I want to finish, yet we've got tons of time, which is wonderful, by reading, um, I've asked Cherry and Simon to come up, and they're going to just read um, Romans 8, and it's verses 31 to 39. And, and what I'd love you to do is just, just like we do in our sort of listening time, or our quiet time, you know, close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing it, and, and they're, they're each going to read it. I'm going to just um, just sort of paraphrase a couple of things as they do that, before they do that. But as they read, I would like you to invite the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. 
into, into situations and circumstances, into relationships, into... Um, and, and so, yeah. So, and then we're just going to see, pray and see what happens. I'm, I'm reluctant just to use this. So Romans 8 as a context, Romans 8 and Romans as a, as a book of the Bible, like amazing. And, and just so complex and so beautiful. And, and in a way, this, this last um, part of, of Romans 8 really is, I'll use it in like musical terms, I love classical music. I love to cook, and when I cook, um, because not a, no one else in my house loves to cook as much as me, but one of the things is, I get to have the stereo or the speakers going at whatever I want and as loud as I want. And I love classical music. And this is a wonderful example of in classical music, one of the beautiful things you have is it's long. You know, it's none of this two minute hit top 40 hits, which I do like anyway. But, but there's long and there's building and there's ebb and there's flow and it's just amazing. And most of them, the really good ones, get to a crescendo and a point where things get faster and they get louder and they remind you of other pieces throughout the music and it comes to an amazing end and you're left with it. And your family rolls their eyes behind you in the other room. But that's what this is. This is, this is a crescendo of Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. And it is a building and it's like that. Nothing can separate us from God's love. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Christ's love, sorry. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, no, that's right. You need to read it again. Yeah. Um, because she read the part. Yeah. So it says, nothing can separate us from God's love. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all? Won't he also give us everything else? Question. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I thank you for your, for your word. I thank you that you continue to sit at the right hand of the Father and to intercede, to make a way, to stand in the gap. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you now to, to do what it is you do so well and, and draw near to us. I had a sense in, in preparing this week that, that you know, I'd, 
that the, that the Father wants to remind us of who He is and what He's like. To remind us that, that His desire is that we partner with Him and what partnering with God really looks like. And I, I ask um, Cherry and Simon too that as they were preparing to read, if there was anything to, to do so in their preparation with, with you know, one ear toward the Holy Spirit, and if there was anything that they really felt like God was, was saying would be an opportunity for, for really just to respond and to minister. So did you guys have anything? Cool. Just share those now. Yeah, be good. You might want to close your eyes in a minute again. Um, but I did have a, a vision of, um, actually I had a headache. And <laughs> <laughs> um, this piercing pain in my head. That um, And I just felt God was saying, I asked him, and he was saying, um, there's a disconnect between the head and the heart. Um, so today I believe God would say to you, Receive my love, not just know about it, that God is love. We all know that, but receive it today. In everything you're going through right now and what you've been through in the past, receive my love today. God may be challenging you in this passage. Is God really with me through all my troubles? Was he always a loving God right there